today I have a very special guest and uh, this morning uh, my pastor my pastor from Florida Pensacola Florida uh, Gordon Godfrey he has been a pastor of a church Marcus Point Baptist Church uh, 26 years uh, coming up on 27 uh, in just a couple weeks been there for 27 years I've had the honor to serve with him for 10 years be on his staff and uh, started on the bottom of the totem pole and, and somehow he saw something in me and he just kept climbing me and promoting me working all the way up to be his, uh, one of his right hand men and I've uh, been an honor to serve him and serve with him uh, he averaged Marcus Point Baptist Church averaged 350 baptisms every year that's amazing yeah let's give it up for him that's awesome 350 baptisms. People are coming to know Christ. They average every Sunday morning, 1,900 in attendance. And um, he's just, uh, we're just honored to have him here. You know, he, he's got a church going on down there today, multiple services. And uh, for him to just take time off, to spend time with us this weekend. We took him fishing yesterday. And um, Danny, Danny D, he took him out there. And, um, Danny, you know, if you know Danny DeVerna, he always got good pictures of fish. And he's always showing off how awesome of a boat captain. Yesterday, he just dropped the ball. We didn't get any fish. <laughs> I know where he's at, but he's in the area. Um, no, we tried, but we had a good time yesterday anyway. And so today, he's speaking for us. And um, I was just honored to have him. So if you would, give us a warm late point welcome to Pastor Gordon Godfrey. All right. Well, I am, Scotty said he was honored to have me here. I want you to know I'm honored to be here in this church because this is one of our churches that we helped start 10 years ago. When Scotty was on our staff, he came into my office and told me one day that he was feeling, feeling that God was leading him to Michigan to start a church. And I said, you going to leave Florida to go to Michigan? Come on, Scotty. He said, God's doing it. And so uh, I tried to talk him out of it, but he knew that this was the place. So I said, well, if you're going, Scotty, we're going to be a part of the ministry. So we want to help you. So in the very beginning, we uh, helped fund the church and we're uh, helping Scotty get get the the finances that he needed to get it going. We had several other churches that were friends of mine, and then we went together and partnered. And and then a lot of you guys were here probably in the beginning, and you helped as well. And so it's just been an incredible thing to see how God has grown this church. And this is an amazing crowd on Sunday morning, and just an amazing ministry. He took me over to the office last night, showed me around the offices, and showed me all around your facilities here and it's just incredible to see how every Sunday y'all set it up and take it down <laughs> set it up and take it down and uh, I'm wanting to learn from Scotty now because we're going to be starting a, a new campus as well in our in our city in fact we're going to be starting five new campuses over the next 10 years God gave me a vision of new campuses so we're going to start five new campuses in the next 10 years, and that's going to be my last, probably my last 10 years. I'm 61 years old, and so God's given me a 10-year plan to start five new campuses and five new daycares. We have a preschool daycare at our church. We have a Christian school as well, and so we're going to start a new daycare and a new campus, and in two more years, another daycare and another campus, and do that over the next 10 years. And then at the end of those 10 years, I'm going to turn it over to a young buck that's got a lot of energy and uh, let him get after it and take it on to the next level and see what God's going to do in our church over the next 10 years. But we're praying that God's going to add a thousand new people to our ministry over the next 10 years and, uh, and five new daycares as well and a hundred in each one of those daycares. So we're just, we're believing God for big things, just like Scott and Karen 
are believing big things here. We're believing big things in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, God's blessed our church. We started with 63 people uh, 27 years ago, and now God has blessed our church every Sunday, uh, 2,000 in attendance every Sunday. So it's great. And God's doing the same thing here. The same thing here. And when you get to the place where God multiplies your ministry and you're able to go and get your own property and get your own buildings, I promise you it's going to explode with growth. This is just the, the training ground. This is the foundation that God's building here. And one day you're going to step out and uh, God's going to give you a brand new facility somewhere and then it's just going to explode in growth. I promise you that. And so today I want to talk to you about big, a big God, big prayers, and big results. If you have your Bible, you can open your Bible to 1 Chronicles chapter number 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can look on your smartphone. If you don't have your smartphone with you, you can look up on the screen and the words will be there for you to see. 1 Chronicles chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 9. The Bible says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I have bare him in sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, and it may, uh, that I may not grieve thee. And God granted him that which he requested. An incredible prayer by this man. This is a prayer that was a man by a man that was mentioned only one time in the Bible. You don't see his name mentioned any other place. He was a man that was nothing special. He was rather insignificant, but God always specializes in taking nobodies and making them into somebodies. And Jabez was a guy that really uh, wasn't anybody special. But God took him and made him into something very significant. His name, Jabez, meant that he was someone that God was going to use. Jabez was used by God because he prayed a big prayer. He believed in a big God. And God gave him a big result. I love Jabez. Because he's kind of like me. Nobody's special. Not a lot of gifts and talents. But God took what he had and God used him in a special way. And I want to say that God can take you. You don't have, a, have to have a lot of ability. You don't have to have a lot of gifts and talents. But God can take you and do something very, very special with you. If you'll believe in a big God... And it's all about God anyway, right? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about a big God. And if you'll believe in a big God, and you'll pray big prayers to a big God, God can do big things through your life. That's exactly what happened with this man, Jabez. So let's look first of all, write it down on your outline. Write down the person, Jabez. It's interesting that he was not a famous person, though he had a lot of famous people in his background. In fact, in his family heritage, there were a lot of big-name people. If you were to study the, the life of Jabez, you'll discover that he had a man in his background by the name of Abraham. Anybody ever heard of Abraham? Sure you have. Abraham was a very famous person in the Bible. And that was a part of the heritage of Jabez. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of David in the Old Testament? Sure you have, David and Goliath. Well, that was uh, a part of uh, Jabez's family. He was connected to David. He was connected to Abraham. So he had some big names in his family heritage. But when people called out Jabez, they didn't really think about David. They didn't really think about uh, Abraham. 
Because Jabez's name, write it down, his name meant pain. Pain. <laughs> when Jabez's mama named him, she named him pain. <laughs> uh, well, how would you like to be named pain? <laughs> when Jabez's mama named him, she said, boy, you're a pain in the, you know what? <laughs> he was a pain. And so when people thought of Jabez, they thought of someone that was always in trouble. Someone that was always going through a difficult time. He wasn't thought of as Abraham's great-great-great-great-grandson. He wasn't thought of David's cousin. No, he was thought of someone that was really very ungifted, untalented, really didn't have a lot going on in his life. When the kids in the neighborhood thought of Jabez, they thought of someone that was probably very ordinary, not talented, not gifted. In my mind's eye, I can see a guy that was probably bullied. He was probably a guy that was made fun of. But God saw something special in Jabez. Though his mama may, may have referred to him as a lot of trouble. A lot of pain when he was growing up. Gave his mama a hard time. But others may have seen him someone that was to be made fun of. Someone that was not anything special. But God saw something very special in Jabez. Notice verse number 9. Notice the positive description from Scripture that Jabez was given. God said something very positive about him. And Jabez was more, what's the next word? Honorable. Jabez was more honorable than all of his brethren. More honorable than his brothers or his sisters. More honorable than those in the neighborhood with him. More honorable than his uh, friends or his cousins. Jabez was an honorable person. Others had talent. Others had ability. Others were good, but Jabez was honorable. Jabez was a man that was uh, honest. Jabez was a fellow that had integrity of life. Jabez was a guy that had faith in God Almighty. Jabez was a guy that was determined that he was not going to take any shortcuts in life. He determined that he was going to Walk the right road, the road that led to integrity and faith and honor and doing the right thing. And when people saw Jabez's life, they saw a man that was called by God honorable, integrity, right with God. He was a man that always had faith in God. It's very important in life. That you have faith in God Almighty. It's important in life that you decide that you're going to walk the right road. The Bible says that there is a broad way that you can walk. The Bible says that there is a narrow way that you can walk. The Bible says that Jabez determined that he was going to walk that narrow way. That road of integrity. That road of right living. That road that led him to the will of God. To a path, on a pathway that kept him in touch with God Almighty. And because of his decision to walk the right road and have faith in a big God, God said he was more honorable than all of his brethren. Not more talented than all of his brethren. Didn't have more ability than all of his brethren. But he was more honorable than all of his brethren. He walked the right path. Didn't take any shortcuts. Stayed on the right road. And God was able to bless his life. That's the person we're talking about Jabez. Now I want you to notice his prayer. Look at his prayer in verse number 10. It wasn't a long prayer, but it was a powerful prayer. Look in verse number 10. The Bible says, And Jabez prayed to the God of Israel. He called on the name, the God of Israel. Here's what he prayed. Oh, that thou wouldest blessed me indeed. And that you would enlarge my coast. And God, that your hand would be on me. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil. And that I wouldn't grieve thee. The Bible says that God granted his prayer. 
I want you to understand that God is not impressed with big prayers, or should I say long prayers. God's not impressed with people that try to use flowery language and try to impress God with their, with their big words. No, that's not at all the way Jabez prayed. God is not impressed with the long prayers, but God is impressed with prayers of, uh, of uh, asking God to do big things in your life. I remember the story of the two men in Luke chapter 18. The Bible says there were two men that went up to the temple to pray. Remember those two men? One of them was a Pharisee, very religious. The other guy was a tax collector. He was just learning what it meant to get to know God. The Bible says both men prayed. The Pharisee prayed this long, flowery prayer. And he said, thank you, God, that I'm not like this publican guy. Thank you that I'm not like this thief. Thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. Thank you that I'm not like this adulterer. And he said, God, thank you that I'm not like this wicked guy. The other man, the tax collector, the Bible says he didn't pray a long prayer. His prayer was very short, very to the point. He said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Now, which prayer did God hear? He didn't hear this guy that prayed this long, flowery, self-righteous prayer. No. He heard the prayer of the guy that said, God, I am nothing and you are everything and I need you to bless me. God heard that prayer and not this prayer. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. God is not interested in the length of your prayer. God is not interested in all of the flowery words. God's not interested in how much you know about praying. God is interested in you praying a prayer of saying, God, I'm totally, absolutely, 100% dependent upon you. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I don't deserve your blessing, God. I don't deserve your favor, God. But I'm asking you to give me your favor. I'm asking you to bless me. That was the prayer that Jabez prayed. Jabez prayer was very simple. He said, God, bless me. And I want you to know that God wants you to pray that prayer because God does want to bless you. Jabez prayed, God, expand my influence. And God did expand his influence, and God wants to expand your influence. And Jabez prayed, God, guide me through life. And God wants to guide you through life. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge Him and God will direct your paths. This morning I text a fella, a young man that I've been mentoring for the last, oh, probably the last seven or eight years. He was in our youth department in our church back in Pensacola. He's a great baseball player. Boy, he can, big kid, six foot three, six foot four, 215, 220-pound kid. And through high school, he was a great baseball player. And he got a scholarship to the University of Alabama to play baseball. And I mentored him all the way through that process and, and prayed for him. And I send him scriptures all the time. Well, he just graduated uh, yesterday from the University of Alabama. He played first base and designated hitter for University of Alabama. And I've been sending him scriptures all throughout his career and one of the scriptures that I sent him often was trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path he graduated from high school and I sent him a text this morning and I said now you've come to a brand new time in your life it's a new beginning you've your baseball career is over and now God has big plans and big things for you. And I want you to find the will of God. And I sent him that text again, that scripture again, of trusting in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understandings. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, God is going to guide that young man. He's going to do big things in his life. Great young man. 
has a heart for God. And I'm going to tell you something. God will guide you in the same way. And God will bless you in the same way. And God will give you influence in the same way. The same way that he gave Jabez guidance and influence. In the same way that God kept Jabez on the right path and answered his prayer. God wants to hear your prayer. And God wants to answer your prayer. And God wants to give you great influence. And God wants to bless you in a big way. And God wants to do great things for you. And I'm telling you, God wants to do the same thing for this church. God wants to... Make this church an influential church, influencing people in this area. And God wants to guide this church. And God wants to use this church. And God wants to see people saved through this church like never before. And God wants to see people coming and following the Lord in believers' baptism like never before. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, God has you here on purpose because God wants to save you. You're not here by accident. God wants to save you. And if you've been saved but not follow the Lord yet in believer's baptism, I want you to know God wants to have you follow him in believer's baptism. Maybe you've been sitting in the chair thinking about getting baptized. You ought to be baptized. As Scotty said, we have 350 people a year that get baptized in our church. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, people come. And they follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And God wants you to follow him in believer's baptism. Get off that chair and step out in obedience to God and get baptized. And let that be a new beginning in your life of following after God. God wants you to pray a big prayer to him. In 1980, a lot of y'all were not even born in 1980, a long time ago. I'm a geezer now. I'm 61 years old, you know. I'm looking out there. I don't see many people in this room. <laughs> y'all got a lot of young people in this church. This is awesome. 1980, I was starting in a brand new ministry. I was in Panama City, Florida. It was my first ministry. And I was a Christian school teacher that first year. It was an unbelievable experience. I didn't know anything about teaching in a Christian school. And they said to me, Go get them, tiger. And they, sit a, they slid a stack of books across the desk at me. Seventh grade geography, eighth grade uh, American history, ninth grade civics, tenth grade world history, eleventh grade American history. I didn't know how to teach in a classroom. And they said, go get them, tiger. And I was a Christian school teacher. And I was the baseball coach. And I was the assistant football coach. And I was in charge of visitation for the church. And my wife and I had been married just a little while, just a year and a half, two years. And, and uh, we had a a brand new little baby. It was, a, it, wow, it was an incredible experience. <laughs> Just starting in a brand new ministry. And I'll never forget, in those days, I mean, you know, like, they didn't pay us much money. Now, you know, I mean, y'all pay Scotty this big, huge salary. He's just wealthy. I mean, so I said, let's pray about it. Okay, let's pray. So we got on our knees, and I said, God, I need $100, and I need it right away. She said, okay. So we got up. I said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> I'm going to go out and try to catch some fish. So I went out, to the, went out to the pier, and I'm telling you, this guy on this side of me was catching fish. This guy on this side of me was catching fish. I wasn't catching anything. And I'm fishing and I'm throwing my bait out. I'm not catching it. He was catching King Mackerel. He was, I didn't catch a fish. I didn't catch nothing. I came home. She said, what'd you catch? I, said, I didn't catch anything. She said, we're in trouble. I said, I know. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, the phone rang. It was a fellow by the name of Alan Nixon. He was in our church. He was one of the leaders in our church. And he said, hey, Gordon, what you doing? I said, Oh, I'm happy. Everything's wonderful at my house, you know. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just kind of hanging out. He said, you want to go do some visitation? I said, yeah, let's go visiting. So he came by the house and picked me up. Thank, God, thank goodness, because I didn't have much gas in my car. <laughs> and so we went visiting. And we went out and made some visits and had some great visits. And uh, on the way home, he pulled down uh, to Highway 77 and pulled off and was going up to 70. I said, well, where are you going? He said, don't say anything. So okay. He come down Highway 77, he pulled into this grocery store. I said, what are you doing? He said, don't say anything. All right, oh, whatever. 
We pulled inside. He goes, I want you to get a golf, uh, get a, a, a cart. And he said, I want you to go and get anything you want. I said, what are you talking about? He said, buy all you want to buy. Don't worry about how much it costs. Get all you want. I said, come on, Alan. He said, anything you want. I said, can I get some Cornish hens? <laughs> I love those little Cornish hens. Y'all ever eat those things? I love those little, little birds. I love those things. He said, Cornish hens if you want them. Well, we went inside. You know the first place I went, don't you? To the formula aisle. <laughs> I went over to the formula aisle. And I started putting formula in, into, the, into the cart. Then I went over there to the Cornish hen section. I got me some Cornish hens. I put them in there. He went over there to the steak. I got me some steak. Then I started getting all kind of vegetables. I mean, I was piling this thing up high. And I'm asking him, is this okay? Get all you want. Everything you want. Okay. I kept piling it up, piling it up, piling it up. I'm thinking, I hope he's got lots of money. I hope he's got money. It's going to be embarrassing if he didn't. Finally, I had everything <laughs> you could get. Man, I had diapers. I had everything you could get for the baby, stuff for my wife. I mean, I piled, it was piled up like this. I'm holding my hand over, you know, so drive up there to the cashier, pulled in there, and he said, put it on that thing. Okay. So I started unloading it. She started ringing it up, ringing it up. And I thought, wow, God, that's amazing. I prayed for $100. Wow. Incredible. We loaded all in the, and I'm crying, you know, and I'm thanking him for what he did. And we loaded all in the car. We driving home. We got to the house. And before he could even get out, I jumped out of the car. I ran in the house. I said, June, you got to, you got to see this. You got, she said, what is it? I said, you're not going to believe this. You got to see this. She came downstairs, brought the baby down. And by that time, Alan was already bringing food in. She said, what is this? I said, Brother Nixon, he bought all this for us. And he had done open the refrigerator, and he was putting food in the refrigerator. She started crying. I started crying. Brother Nixon started crying. We're hugging one another. You know how it is. We're just so, I'm just so excited, so happy. I mean, could not believe it. Just God had answered our prayer and taken care of us. Brother Nixon came, and he prayed with us, and then he left. We're sitting there just, you know, thanking God we prayed this prayer, and really, it wasn't a big prayer for God, but it was a big prayer for me to believe for $100. My wife went over, she opened the refrigerator, and she said, you got to see this. I said, what is it? She said, come over here and look. I went over and, and looked in the refrigerator, and there was a roll of cash Cold cash. <laughs> Had a rubber band around it. It was in the refrigerator. She said, what is that? I said, that's money. Get it out. <laughs> she reached in and she grabbed up that money. <laughs> she handed it to me. I started counting it. Five, ten, twenty, forty, sixty, eighty, eighty-five, ninety. 95, $100 in cold, hard cash. Friend, listen to me. Not only had God given us all those groceries, but he answered our prayer exactly. $100 I'd prayed for. Do you believe that God answers prayer now, when I do that, you're supposed to say amen. <laughs> That's the southern way of say, getting you to say amen, all right? Do you believe God answers prayer? Amen. Well, let me tell you something. For those of you that are new to this, for those of you that are just learning, that prayer that I prayed that day and the way that God answered that prayer that day may be a little bit unusual. It doesn't always happen like that. But I'm here to tell you, just like Jabez prayed a big prayer, to a big God, you can pray a prayer to a big God, and God will answer your prayer. He may not always answer it in the way that you think he's supposed to, but he will answer your prayer. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait. But I'm going to tell you something. When you pray to a big God, 
He will hear and answer your prayer. Jabez prayed a prayer and then write this down. Not only the prayer, but we see the plan. God gave Jabez a plan. Prayer and planning should go together. Here was his plan. He said, God, I'm going to ask you to enlarge my coast. Spread my influence. Notice verse number 10. Jabez called on God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldest indeed enlarge my coast. He prayed like it all depended on God, and he planned like it all depended on him. Hear me. God wants you to pray like it all depends on him, and he wants you to uh, plan and work like it all depends on you. God cannot build a church with spare time and pocket change. Let me say that again. God cannot enlarge your coast here with spare time and pocket change. God is looking for a church, a people, that will make a commitment to Him and pray a big prayer and plan with a big plan for God to enlarge your influence. And He wants you to commit to prayer and He wants you to commit to planning and working as though it all depends on you. Let me tell you something. Brother Scott and Miss Karen cannot do it by themselves. No way this church is going to expand its influence just because of two people. Doesn't happen. No way that I could do what happens in Pensacola, Florida, just me. It takes an army of people. We have five or six hundred volunteers every single Sunday at our church making it happen. And you have a bunch of volunteers. I saw them this morning as I was walking in. Man, people were greeting, and people were in the parking lot, and people were making coffee, and people were in the nursery, and people were in the preschool, and people were volunteering in the hallways. That's awesome. That's fantastic, y'all. Let me tell you something. If God's going to expand the coast of this church, he's got to have people that will pray for God to expand your coast, and then you'll say, Brother Scotty, what's the plan? What can we do to help? And it takes an army of people praying and planning and working. And I'm going to tell you something. God will do something big here. Bigger than he's ever done before. Bigger than he's ever done before. If you'll ask him. And you'll plan for it. And you'll work for it. Let me just tell you this story. I'm going to, I'm going to quit. Let me just tell you this story. Does Scotty ever say he's going to quit and he doesn't quit? Okay. He learned that from me, okay? So don't, don't get too excited. Sometimes I say I'm going to quit three times. Okay? But let me tell you this story. I got to tell you this. Story. Because it, you can identify with this, where you are as a church. When I went to our church in Pensacola, when I went there, we had 63 people. We had a, a, a little building down in a bad, bad part of town. Literally, there was a crack house across the street from the church. I mean, literally, on Sunday mornings, they would come and they would, the police would come and they'd drag them out of the crack house. And we had to have armed guards in the, hall, in the, uh, in the parking lot because they'd come out and steal our tires off our cars. <laughs> it was a bad place. And so I, that was the church I went to. We started praying. God started blessing. People started getting saved. Scotty, he knows all about it. He was there in those early days. People started getting saved. Young couples started coming. It wasn't long, and we'd fill that building up. We didn't have any parking. And so I started praying, God, we need another location. We need property. We need buildings. We need to move. One day I was in my office, and I was a knock at the door. This guy came in the office. I didn't know the guy. Never seen him before. Have any idea who he was. He came in the office. He introduced himself as a deacon from another church in town. And he said, Pastor Godfrey? I said, yes, sir. Introduced himself as Brother Enzo from East Brent Baptist Church. And there's a big church in our town. He said, we're here today to make you an offer for your church. I said, what do you mean? My church is not for sale. He said, well, we think that you need to move. I had no idea who this guy was. He said, we think you need to move. 
And here's what we're offering you. He said, there's a church that meets right next to our church. He said, we need that property of that church. He said, we think that that church needs to come down here and buy your church. And then y'all need to go find you some more property and build another church. This is what he told me. I said, okay, you're going to buy that church. They're going to come down here and buy me. Where am I going? <laughs> he said, that's up to you. He said, that's your problem. He said, you've got to find a property. He said, but we're going to pay them cash. They're going to come down there and pay you cash. How much do you want for your building? I start thinking, hmm, boy, I better make this a good one here. I better come up with a good price here because this is, I got one shot at this. I better not mess this up. I said, hmm. I said, we'll take $600,000. He said, okay, not a problem. I should have said a million. <laughs> no problem. He said, we're going we're gonna to take care of it. We're going to buy that church for $600,000. they are going to come down there and buy you for $600,000. No problem. It'll be done. I said, I got to find a place. He said, you better get, you better get busy. So I called my deacons in. I had, I had four deacons. I called them in. I said, this is what happened. They've all made this offer. They said, but preacher, we've been praying that God would give us a new location. We've been praying for property. Let's get after it. So we went right up the road. It's probably a mile and a half, two miles up the road. And we found a boat dealership that had gone bankrupt. Had a 30,000 square foot building. They had six acres of property. It had been sitting there for probably a year, maybe longer. Just sitting, gone bankrupt. We looked at the property, and the bank had taken it back. So we called the bank. We asked them how much they wanted for it. They wanted $800,000. Well, my dad was in the car business. I sicked my dad on them. <laughs> I said, you go down there and negotiate with them. He went down there and started negotiating with them. And we bought, get this now, we got that property, 30,000 square foot building and six acres of property for $600,000. Had a guy in my church. He was a police officer. He had been in a, he had been shot. And it paralyzed him. So he'd gotten a million dollar settlement from the city. He had a million dollars sitting in the bank. So we went to him and we said, can we borrow some money against your million dollars? We don't have any money for the church. Can we borrow money against your million? He allowed us to borrow money against his million dollars. He put that million dollars up as collateral. He said, I'll give you two years. So we went and borrowed $400,000 against that million dollars. We brought the $400,000 over there and remodeled the church and built an auditorium, some Sunday school space, a choir loft. I mean, this was back in 1993. And we, made, we had an auditorium that would seat 700 people. Beautifully decorated, beautiful. And in two years, we paid the $400,000 off, got his million dollars freed up, and then we just started buying property all around us. We started building buildings. Now we have an auditorium that will seat 1,500 to 2,000 people. We have a school building. We have a gymnasium. We have a daycare building. We have a brand new children's building that we just built. We have a, a student center. On and on and on and on and on it goes. Now, listen to this now. When we bought that property, we paid $600,000 for it. Our last appraisal came back at $18 million. Does God hear our prayers? Yes, he does. Is God a big God? Yes, he is. Will God enlarge your coast if you'll believe? Yes, he will. I'm going to tell you something. God has a plan. The last point, I'm not going to preach it. I'm just going to give it to you. The last point is a product. The product is a God product. It's not anything that we do we work for it, but God blesses us with it. Now, hear me. Don't miss this. Let me finish. By the way, I'm stopping again, okay? I just told you I was going to stop. I'm stopping again. Hear me. Listen. God blesses a man, and God blesses 
people that will follow God's man. God calls a man. I challenge you. You look through the whole Bible. You'll see it. God calls a man. And when that guy is God called, and there are people that will follow that God called man, God will bless that place. God called Scotty Blanchard and Karen to this place. God has added now 250, 300 people, maybe more, that are following after the man that God called. But listen to me. There comes points in time when God wants you to recommit to him and to praying a big prayer to a big God to enlarge to a bigger coast. That's where you are now. You need to raise $500,000. You've already raised $300,000 or more, right? You need to get that up to $500,000. And then you need to, along with Scott, pray that God would show you a place that you can move and enlarge the influence of this church. Scott, would you and Karen come up here? I want you all to come up here for a second. I love these guys. Come over here, buddy. I want us to pray for Scott and Karen. But Scott, I want you to give some specific things. Give them two or three specific things that are on your heart that you want them to pray with you about. Do that for me. Yeah, so three things. First of all, short term, but we've got as you know, most of you know that there's going to be a big renovation coming up starting in a couple of weeks, nine months. And uh, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be kind of chaotic uh, in several different ways. And I'll explain more here very soon. We're still trying to get the details. We've got another curveball thrown at us this past week. So we're trying to figure out how to hit it. All right? But, um, but I want to first of all pray that this next nine months that through the mess, God can redeem the mess, and we can still keep pushing forward and, and not let the mess hold us back. And so the renovation, now when it's done, it can be awesome. It can be great. We've got to get through it to get to it. That's the first thing. So pray for the next nine months. Uh, second of all, you mentioned we're praying for a land building. We're praying for that. We're almost $400,000, almost. I'm praying that by next year, we'll keep adding to it. And by next year, we could be at another $100,000 on top of the four hundred. And uh, as we get a little bit closer, and uh, we're going to push, you know, to keep praying, keep asking God for those opportunities. And we're looking. We're looking hard. We've got people looking, and uh, we've had some opportunities, but not the right opportunities. We're praying for God's time, not our time. I wanted it yesterday, but God didn't want it yesterday to have it. He wanted to wait on him. And so, but we want to wait, continue to pray, continue to pray for that space. You know, 15,000, 20,000 square feet uh, a building that we can go in and actually renovate it and uh, use it for glory. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing, the most important, is we want to continue to see God saving people. We want to see more salvation. We want to see baptism. I, I love to be at church at baptizing 350 people every year. I love to see life change happening. And we're not at church of 2,000, but man, I love to see that one day. I mean, that's down the road. Who knows? But getting, we'll let God do that. But listen, I'm praying for salvation. I'm praying for expanding our influence and helping people take a next step with God in believer's baptism and, and having a relationship with him. I'm praying for marriage to be restored. I'm praying for broken families to be restored. I'm praying for the hope of the gospel to really infiltrate, to take over and change life. So those are the three things. Praying for the next nine months, praying for the long term as far as building, 
Let's pray. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to believe in prayer. If you're a leader in this church, I know a lot of the leaders are out serving right now. But if you're a leader in the church, would you stand? If you do something in the church, if you're a greeter, if you're on the praise team, if you work in technology, if you're someone that is a leader in this church, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. You are obviously are a key. You've got to have leadership and fellowship. And the leadership, I want you to put your hands out like this. I want you to reach towards Scotty and Karen. And I want you to agree with me as we pray for these, as, as for these things that Scotty has mentioned. Lord, I pray for these three things that are so vital. God, uh, a new place, more people saved. God, the dollars that it takes to pay for all of this. Lord, I'm asking you to grant this request. As Jabez prayed, God, you heard his prayer and you guided him and you kept him on the right path and you protected him from evil. And I pray for that. I pray for Scott. I pray for Karen that you'd protect them from the evil one. That you'd protect their marriage, protect their children, protect their influence, protect their testimony. And God, that you'd meet the need here in this place for $500,000 as seed money to go and get a new place and then open the door for that new place and that God throughout it all that people would be saved and baptized and join this church and the influence of this place would grow bless Scotty bless Karen bless their children their family I pray in Jesus name amen and amen if you agree with that say amen and thank you guys now, I want you to be seated for just a moment. Let me say this to you. God's got to have you on board. Listen to me. I do this, this in my church every single Sunday. We give people the opportunity to trust Christ as their Savior. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, if you don't believe people are going to get saved, people probably won't. But if you trust and believe God to save people... God will hear and answer your prayer and He'll save people. Some of you today maybe have been on the fence of stepping out and becoming a Christian. It's time for you to say yes. You want to say yes. You want to become a believer, a follower of Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And then maybe there's somebody here. You've been just sitting in the chair. You had not stepped out for baptism yet. You need to do that. That's your, that's your stepping out. That's your decision to go forward. You need to do that. You need to let somebody know that you want to do that. They'll follow up with you and they'll help you in that decision. And then last of all, some of you here today that have been on the fence, you've been straddling the fence about getting on board and serving, being a part. You need to come on. You need to step over that line. Get off the fence and say yes. Start giving like you should. Serving like like you should. This church needs you. So I'm going to pray for you. So I want you to bow your heads with me, okay? Everybody bow your head. First of all, let's talk about becoming a Christian. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross. He bore your sins in his body. You don't have to join this church to become a Christian. You don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to do anything except except, except Jesus in your heart. I believe that you can forgive me of my sins. So today, I receive you as my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and change my life. Thank you for being my Savior. I trust you today. It's in Jesus' name. And I'm not going to say amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Did you pray that prayer? Did you pray that prayer? You say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I meant it. And I'm not ashamed of it. If you prayed that prayer, just put your hand up just a moment. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to say anything. There's a hand right there, and 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 a hand right over here. Somebody else. Hold them up there for just a moment. Say, I'm not ashamed of this. Anybody else? It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. It's nine hands. Anybody else? I prayed that prayer. Awesome. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Now, just a moment. I want you to let somebody know by checking on that card, on your connection card. I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. Now, some of you, you've been saved, 
But you hadn't followed the Lord in believer's baptism yet. You need to do that. Anybody here say, Preacher, that's what I need to do. It's time for me to make that step of commitment. And I'm, I'm really serious about that. And at some point in the near future, I'm going to do that. Anybody say, put your hand up and say, Yeah, that's me, Preacher. I'm going to get baptized. Put your hand up real quick. Yes, there's a hand right there and a hand right there. There's two. Anybody else? Say, I need to do that. Anybody else? Awesome. Thank you. you can put your hands down. I want you to check on that card. I need to be baptized. I need to be baptized. And some of you, you need to become members here. You need to get involved. There's a place on your card where you can check that. Someone will get with you and help you to know how you can become a member here at Lake Point Church. God will bless you with that. Thank you so much. So much for these decisions today. Here's what we're going to do as we close. I want everybody to stand. I want everybody to stand and keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This is the last prayer I'm going to pray for you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to pray for you. You say, Pastor, I want God to do something special in my life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your business. Or maybe it's just your personal life. But you say, Pastor, I want God to do something special in my life. I want you to come stand right across the front here. I want you to come stand right here. I'm going to pray for you. Would you come? There you go. Come on. Just come stand right here. I'm going to pray for you. So I need God to do something special in my family, in my business, in my ministry, in my life. I want God to do something special. I want you to come stand right here and just face me. Just look right up here at me. Everybody else, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is great. Anybody else want to get in on this prayer? That's wonderful. By coming forward, you're saying, God, do something special in me. Whatever you need, I'm willing to surrender to you. I'm willing to give to you. God, please do something special. God, do something special in this church. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one of these men and women that are standing here today. Lord, I don't know what they need, but you do. Lord, I don't know their heart, but you do. Maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's a business that needs some help. Maybe they got kids that have strayed away. Maybe they've got some addictions, or maybe they have a a problem or maybe they just need to be closer to you God you know every need and so I pray that you touch every one that is at the front of this church God that you'd meet their need and when they leave here today they'll be determined to follow after you and to believe that you are a big God that can do big things in their lives God may this be a, a turning point in these lives and in this church For I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can return to your seat. Let's thank God for what he's done today.